This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. In true Greg Wyshynski fashion, he's late. Welcome back to the program. Welcome to Hour 2. Quick note and update. Let me grab this. Let me grab this. Let me grab this. Uh, Eric Halla has uh, signed a deal with the New Jersey Devils. It is a three-year deal. We'll get to that in a couple of moments. And when we say New Jersey Devils, we think of Greg Wyshynski from uh, ESPN. Hello, Greg. How do you greet the Eric Halla news? And Halla, by the way, has still, to this day, the best nickname in the NHL. How do you greet the Halla news today? Well, first of all, as usual, like when we used to do the podcast, I'm not ever late. I'm just early for next week. Um, mm. The the holiday news is is fine. I mean, it, three years is a decent term, right? And uh, and I appreciate they didn't go any further than that. I've been getting a, a lot of Devils fans gleefully reminding me that I was sour on them acquiring him last summer. And I was wrong on that. He played well. He, he fit in well with what they do. And, and obviously, at some at some points during the season and the postseason, he was sometimes their best forward in some of those games. So he, he played well. Um, my problem with the with the dosi do last offseason was that they were cutting bait on a 25-year-old in Pavel Zaka to acquire Halla, right? So Halla's mm. breakout year in this league was at 26 Zach's breakout year was at 25 into 26. So, like, if you're going to dunk on me for that take, come come back at me in five years, and we'll, and we'll see what Zach turns into. Seriously, like, we'll see what Zach turns into by the time he's, he's Hollow's age. And then and then we can discuss whether or not this was a titanic misstep, if, if this was the, you know, Marcus Naslin trade 2.0 as far as the lopsidedness of it, according to Devils fans. Oh. Come at me in five years and let me know where things stand. Now, the other thing about today, though, as my colleague Kevin Weeks has reported, yes. floating the idea that we could be very close to a Timo Meyer deal. Eight years, 8.5 per, according to Weeksy, maybe yeah. uh, in, in the making. Yeah. It's, uh, it was pretty obvious, and a lot of this was led by Timo Meyer, that he wanted the eight-year extension that he wanted to be in New Jersey for the full complement. I have zero reason to doubt any of this, and why would you? Um, but that makes a whole ton of sense here. I, I think through through all of it, um, because we've seen the Brat extension, um, we've seen now the Hala extension, we've seen you know an impending uh, Timo Meyer deal here. Um, someone's got to go. Uh, someone's got to go here, Greg Wyshynski, and I wonder if that person is Yegor Sharangovich. Well, yeah. I mean, he's... He's an R. He's an RFA. That that could make a lot of sense. Um, With Arb, I I think the 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 Meyer the Meyer extension, if it does come in at eight point, interesting because it fits if it's snugly in between uh, what Jack Hughes and what uh, Doug is the team's highest paid player. Hang on, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get to Greg. We're gonna get you to reconnect. We're having a little bit of a hard time with your line right now. We're gonna get Greg to uh, to reconnect on his Opal app so we can get a little bit cleaner. As he opines on his New Jersey Devils. And, you know, so far we've talked a lot about the New Jersey Devils. Oh, hang on. What's that coming from? I don't need that. Um, We've talked a lot about the New Jersey Devils um, and their back end and what it's going to look like and the infusion of youth. Uh, That's coming. But I'll tell you what, man. This thing, when you look at the Metropolitan Division uh, and you say to yourself, okay, Columbus is loading up here because they don't want a season uh, like last season. I don't think anyone thinks um, that Yarmo Kekalainen is anywhere close to done. 
To me right now, if you look at the Metropolitan, there's only two locks. That's it. It's Carolina and New Jersey. After that, there is nothing but question marks. Now, the Philadelphia Flyers have said, look, we're out of this thing for a little while now. Uh, we'll check you out in a couple of years when we finally you know, cobble together what's going to be the next version of this team. But if you have a look at the Metropolitan Division outside of New Jersey and Carolina, I mean, Islanders have huge question marks. I mentioned the Columbus Blue Jackets trying to get their act back together. Still a lot of question marks about the New York Rangers and their full staff was, was named today. Uh, coaching staff, that is. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, I still think, will be designed and will continue to be designed uh, to be all around it and in contention for a playoff position. And I think we expect the Washington Capitals uh, to be back in that mix in some capacity. But there's anything but locks here outside of the Carolina Hurricanes and the New Jersey Devils. I think those are the only two that we look at and say, okay, for sure. And you look at New Jersey. This has taken, like, they probably should have been there, not this past year, but last year. But goaltending undid everything, just to be blunt. You know, I you've heard this before in, in hockey. Oh, don't blame all of it on the goaltender. Well, two years ago, I'll blame the whole thing on goaltending uh, with the New Jersey Devils. Because everything else was fine. And... In some instances, everything else about the New Jersey Devils two years ago outside of the goaltending was more than fine and probably should have been in a playoff spot. But again, to those that say, don't blame the goalie for everything, yeah, two years ago with the New Jersey Devils, I'll blame the goaltending on everything for the reason they didn't make the playoffs. Anyway, we have Greg Wyshynski from ESPN back. Sorry about that, Wish. The, uh, the app was not your friend. No, it's probably Wi-Fi app. I don't know. There's it rained two drops here in New York, so obviously everybody's internet's on the fritz. So <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just how it is. Anyway, I was saying I was saying that the 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 Meyer contract fits snugly in between Jack and and Dougie. Dougie's at nine, Jack's at eight. And the more you look yep. at that Hughes contract, I mean this this is this is going to be Nathan McKinnon two point right? As far as like the amount of work looks the like devils it. are going to be able to do on that on that on that roster with having their best player locked in at a in an AAV that is in very short order becoming a a significant bargain so you know it's it's kind of it's it's they've done a lot of good work i mean this Meyer thing if it comes in the brat thing i mean they've done really good work insofar as keeping the AAVs down but uh but that uh, that Hughes deal, as as time goes on, I think is going to be without question one of the NHL's best. Well, well, a, a quick comparison to that one for what it means to the team, and I'm with you on Hughes. That does look McKinnon-esque. You know what else uh, already? And it seemed almost as if you know the ink was barely dried. We started the season, and all of a sudden the contract looked like a bargain. Is Jason Robertson? At yeah, seven point. Oh, for sure. Seven. Yeah. And yeah. it, it's it's funny too because through through that a quick little detour to Dallas here, let's just sort of bounce around some stuff here this afternoon on Friday, uh, shooting the breeze about hockey. As part of that negotiation, at various points, you start to get a you know little bit of information here and there. Someone slides you an info puck on what's going on, and at at one point, you know, I, I think the Robertson camp was looking for something. Uh, along the lines of $10 million. And you look at Robertson's production and how much he means to that team. At the time, you may say to yourself, whoa, $10 million bucks. But then you look at him at 7.75 and say, holy smokes, is that ever a bargain? How much money is he leaving on the table? Uh, probably the equivalent of what would have made $10 million wish. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not, I mean, I'm no math major, but that, that sounds about right. Do you think that something happens with Jamie Benn this offseason? I know that he's got the full no move. Okay. We, know, we know what his AAV is. Um, but yep. at the same time, you wonder if, if the timing is right and if perhaps, perhaps someone, someone acting a bit out of turn in the playoffs may have uh, created a, a, a bit of a, of a condition to uh, see uh, someone else uh, wearing the C next season. Here's what I believe about Jamie Benn. Please. I think there are some in that organization that want the Dallas Stars to buy out Jamie Benn. I don't think, however, that Jim Nill is one of those people. Right. And for that fact, I think that as much as some may want to go the buyout route for Jamie Benn, I don't think it's going to happen nor do I think there's going to be a change of the initial on the sweater. You can't do it. I, I mean, think, listen, I, I, I think, think Jamie, I think Pavel, I think Jamie, Jamie, ben, Jamie, Jamie, Ben comes back. Jamie, ben, Jamie, Ben comes back. And as much as there was noise around him after they exited the way that they did exit. And listen, as one person, uh, as one person around it told me, it wasn't lost on people in the Dallas stars organization that the game that cost Jamie Ben the two game suspension after Ben left. I mean, Dallas Dallas carried that game. Dallas should have won that game. And then the two games that he was suspended, they did win. Yeah. And then we saw what happened when, when Well, I mean, they, they, now, they, they, again, they, they small, they small carried, sample. They carried but still. The, hold on, hold on. They they carried the game he was suspended because they were already down like what four goose in the first period or something. Like they they certainly clawed their way back, but that's only because the the game might have been settled yep. by that point. But but no no you're 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 completely right. They won the next two games and then lost the game that he came back. Um, first of all, I agree with you. Like if he's there, they're not going to take the C off him. Even if I think Pavelski nope. should probably wear it, because Pavelski's already seen what that situation looks like in San Jose, where all of a sudden the captain's not the captain and it creates more problems than it than it than it helps. Um, but no, I, I, I wanted the same thing being around that team for a little bit, covering that series when they lost, um, the idea of, you know, could, could you do some convincing of, uh, to Jamie Ben that, uh, that perhaps it's, uh, it's better to be somewhere else. Do you buy him out? Um, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, I mean, the person who would make the, the, uh, ultimate decision on that doesn't want to buy him out. And I think that probably takes it off the table, but it's probably the closest. I would say this: the the ground is as fertile as it's been since uh, Sagan and Ben were called out by the team president <laughs> to have to have Jamie <laughs> Ben shipped out of you know, out of town in some way, shape, or form. I'll I'll tell you what the the, the one person, and the, listen, the Jamie Ben conversation is always going to be a, a conversation in Dallas because he's Jamie Ben. Um, but the one person where I do think that there is there is something to the noise is Ryan Suter. Like there were a lot of times that, you know, you'd, you'd hear out of the Dallas organization, like, ugh, more soft coverage, more soft coverage, more soft coverage led to this goal, led to that goal, led to like that, that, that's the guy that I wonder about, even though there are some, I know that want to go the buyout route with Jamie Benn, that's not happening, but I don't know that I say the same thing about Ryan Suter. I, I wonder about him. Yeah, I agree, and and I think that anyone who watched anyone who watched the playoffs would know that from a a tactical um, 
perspective, there are definitely reasons to buy him out because he, he wasn't good. Um, so I would agree with you. Like, I, I think if they do go down that road, it would, it would maybe be with, with someone like him. But again, like we've, we've not really heard any indication that that is something that they're, they're focused on, but it wouldn't shock me. Uh, most interesting team to you as we head into the weekend before we all go to Nashville for the NHL draft. Is it Calgary? Is it Philadelphia? Is it Winnipeg? Who is the most intriguing team for you right now? Well, it w- it was Winnipeg, but now, you know, I, I mean, like, we're all, we're all saying that, oh, look at all the people trying to scurry away from Winnipeg as fast as they can. Well, Calgary apparently has broken a land speed record in the number of guys that are sprinting away from that organization all at the same time. Yeah. Um, and, and all for like, for different reasons too. I mean, the Toffoli thing that, that our friend Chris Johnson uh, tweeted about, uh, I guess today or yesterday is, is intriguing to me, um, you know, without having really talked to his camp. Is that, is that the first case of somebody leaving the cause Daryl Sutter's not the coach? <laughs> like, is that, is that, like everyone else is leaving <laughs> because Daryl Sutter was the coach. Is Toffoli the first guy that's leaving because he's no longer the coach? Like, you can't win if you're Calgary. You know, it, it's funny. I was, I was talking about the, um, let, let me backtrack here. So, I was talking about the Flames off the top of the show today. And one of the things where I think we can trace back all of these problems um, was the Edmonton series, the Battle of Alberta, which I think Mm -hmm. we can look at now and say, man, that series broke the Calgary Flames. They have not been the same since. And here's the one thing that I I keep coming back to. That's going to feel like pile on Daryl Sutter here. Okay, so after that series, that Calgary Flames team was wounded. Like, that was a really emotional series. Battle of Alberta always is. But that was a really emotional series. That was one where the nerves are close to the skin. Um, Jacob Markstrom, once again, Edmondson proved to be his kryptonite, as it seems always happens. And the Calgary Flames seemed broken. They went into this season as a broken team, a team that needed to heal, a team that needed to to come together, a team that needed to get over that emotional series against the Edmonton Oilers. Greg, I'm kind of new to hockey. Was Daryl Sutter the right choice to be that coach <laughs> to help bring the team together? I'm kind of I'm kind of new to hockey and all the personalities involved. Was that a good idea? The great, the great. I mean, his nickname was, I believe, the Great Healer. Uh, they would talk about him uh, mending <laughs> hearts and building relationships. Uh, he was a man of warmth and empathy, um, the perfect man, really, to uh, to to help the psychological damage of a team that's been broken. Uh, of course not, and and so you see the whole thing kind of fracture and fall apart. But you know, how much of this, though, dude, is is I mean, like Goudreau leaves and Goudreau leaves as a free agent, but then Kachuk leaves because Kachuk's gonna be a free agent and says. I'm not going to be here anymore. So you might as well like move me now. Like how much of that decision by Kachuk in particular to light the way that he did towards the exit well before the exit, he's he's standing at the exit door. How much of that do you think plays into everything that we're seeing in Calgary? Like he kind of like, I don't know, inspire some of the things that we're seeing from these players. Hmm. So you think that, that Matthew Kachuk is sort of a Pied Piper. Taking players, a Pied Piper, you know, no, no, maybe, maybe, maybe like, you know, uh, 
you know, Moses, he's like Moses leading them through the desert uh, away from oh Calgary. Um, <laughs> you know, a, a spiritual leader. of so, No, but I mean, like once, once, you know, oftentimes, Merrick, when we talk about contracts and whether we're talking about athletes or our own business, we talk about the idea that our, the people handing out the contracts don't want to establish precedent, right? Like that's always a big thing in, the, in any business. We don't want to establish precedent. Yep. If we give this person this break, well, now everybody's going to want this break. But it also works out in other ways within business, which is that if someone shows that they can work the system a little bit, well, now everybody kind of knows what the system looks like when it's worked. And so if Matthew Kachuk can say, I'm not going to be here, you might as well move me now. And then they move them. Well, I mean, that's kind of a signal to everybody else that if they are going to indicate to management, whether it's, it's you know Brad Living or Craig Conroy or whomever, now, that they no longer are going to be in Calgary, then they can kind of not be in Calgary sooner than later. Ha- having said that, now I, I think this is, listen, Craig Conroy has talked about, you know, um, talking to players on the team and you want to be here or not, and if you don't, we'll accommodate. I, I always have problems with the Matthew Kachuk example because that was a very specific example about how him and his representatives got him to a place where he could take his QO and walk away for nothing. And the QO was going to be a, a, a monster deal and the Calgary Flames, specifically after the Johnny Gaudreau situation, weren't going to go through that and couldn't go through that. So I don't know that that is a, a template for Tyler Toffoli or uh, Elias Lindholm, or Michael Backlund, or Noah Hannafin, or anything. I just think this is, I think this is a moment perhaps where players saw what happened with Johnny Gaudreau. Like, put it this way, two-thirds of the best line in the NHL left, essentially at the Correct. same time. Right. And so I, th- I think players on this team might look at that and say, Oof, that's a tough one to get over. Are we really going the right direction here? I, I know that they tried to uh, uh, lessen the, uh, you know, lessen lessen the, uh, the the situation by bringing in Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger <laughs> and Nazem Kadri, but it didn't work last year. We gave it a chance, and our minds are made up. And now there's a new GM here, and I'm not saying that players necessarily would say, okay, let's try to take advantage of the new guy, but this isn't Brad Tree living here anymore. This is Craig Conroy. He's trying to figure out who wants to be here and who doesn't. And much like, you know, we used to always say, if you give players a reason or an excuse not to hit, they won't hit. Um, If you give a player a reason to leave or exit a situation that's not perfect, don't be surprised if they take it. How does that sound? No, com- completely. But first of all, I mean, poor Jonathan Huberdeau. He's, he's just looking around with his hands on his head being like, guys, what, what's up, man? Like, I'm here. Like, you, you got a star? Look at me. I'm Jonathan Huberdeau. I had 117 <laughs> points one year or whatever. Um, so you, you got that issue. Uh, but, the, but to your point, though, like, again, I come back to the Kachuk thing. And I, and I know what you're saying, that it's a, it's a very specific situation, and, and it's very much, you know, and, and, and with the qualifying offer and everything else, but at at the at, at its core, it's it's him saying he doesn't want to be in Calgary, and it's him also yeah. saying he doesn't want to be in Calgary after Johnny Gaudreau leaves Calgary. So essentially, his motivation in some ways is like their motivation, which is to say that I don't want to be on a team that's not go- that is going to be 
you know, rule them the law of diminishing returns. When Johnny leaves, I know we're not going to be as good. And now I'm going to leave. And now everybody else who's looking at their situation in Calgary, they know that there's no way they're going to be as good. And they have some proof of concept, too, having spent a year without mm-hmm. Jerome Kachuk as the center of that team. So I, I do think that there's some shared DNA in Kachuk's decision that's that's been imprinted on everybody else on that team deciding to kind of like let them know they don't want to be there and then and 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 doing so in a way that doesn't see their contract all the way through. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's a sad situation for a Flames fan, um, only because it's at the end of the day, it, 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 you think about where they were two years ago versus where they're going to be at the end of the summer, and it's it'll make your head spin as far as like the fall from grace. Um, but but mm-hmm. you know, if you got players that don't want to be there, they don't want to be there. Let me um let, let me take this a different direction, but but sticking with the flames here. Coming out of the uh, the o four o five lockout when the salary cap went in, um, we said okay, now players are capped. Or they're you know essentially triple capped, um, but players are capped. So a lot of other things are going to mean a lot more. Maybe things that didn't matter as much when you were just trying to grab the the, the biggest contract you can grab. But now that you know everybody has everyone's just sort of fighting from the for for the, for the for a, for, a, for a piece of the same pie. Other things become important. To hockey players, the markets, uh, where to live, uh, 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 how amenable you are to making certain concessions for families, etc. All these things start mm-hmm. to mean a whole lot more, and that they and they didn't really mean that much when it was all just get the most amount of money. It doesn't matter where you play. That's ultimately the game. You can decide where you're going to live uh, once your career is done, and you've got you know sixty million in the bank. Right. How much is the how much is the rink a factor? How much do you think that every time these guys go on the road, they go into these other rinks and say, "Wow, this is so much nicer than ours." Sure, I mean it, it definitely plays into it. And over over time, in having covered a few teams that have built new buildings, um, and then on top of building new buildings, have built new training facilities and things like that, um, you you realize it's a huge factor. You realize that the the, the modern um, amenities thing and and the uh, the glory of a new locker room and things like that are are certainly things that that play on the minds of players and and whether they want to go to a place or or stay in a place. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's a part of them that are like that. I mean, you know, but look, we I just spent a good amount of time in Vegas and any like you talk to any player that's decided to put pen on paper for the Golden Knights and so all of them to so a man good. say. It's the arena, it's the it's the, the where to live, it's Summerlin where we yep. know we can live and where everybody yep. else lives. It's very creepy. It's like it's like the Valley of the Dolls. Like it's like all these people. It's like a cult <laughs> out there in Summerlin. Um, and then and then and then they and then the practice facility is like right in your backyard and it's also completely modern and great. So, I mean, there there is a certain amount of that that goes on, and it's not it's it's something you hear maybe in passing when a player talks about why they chose a market. Um, surprisingly, though, Merrick, I don't think it's necessarily something that's mentioned when they leave. I, I, now that you mention it, like how many times have we heard a guy, like it, he's, he signed a contract, he's with a new team, and he's just like, thank God I don't have to play in that arena anymore. Like you never hear that. And you I wonder why, why that is because you know, it definitely yeah, plays you, in my but mind. You, but you, you, it plays in, you know why? Because it sounds petty. I, I, I firmly I've thought about that too, Wish. Like I, I think it just it makes you sound petty. 
if you say things like that, oh, that rank, oh, good riddance. I've I guess I guess maybe they they I guess maybe they do say it though. Like when they when maybe like we okay. So here's our challenge, right? A month from now, when we've gotten all these like you know Tyler Bertuzzi signed somewhere else or whatever, and like all these guys have signed their new contracts yeah. in other places. Like let's listen very intently to their press conferences, and when they say. I really loved the practice facilities. I really loved walking around the arena in their new place. Maybe, maybe they're like wink. They're giving us the wink, wink on on how much they didn't like where they were previously. <laughs> like, let's pay extra attention to that this summer. Okay, so when Noah Hannafin lands in fill in the blank wherever, right, and right. does his first media availability, if he talks about the practice facility and the rink where he's playing in now. Okay, so let's yeah. let, let's measure that off. So whether it's Toffoli or Lindholm or Backlund or Tanev or whomever goes, uh, Hannafin, right. let's pay specific attention <laughs> to how many times they talk yeah. about and, the rink. And especially if it's a place that's not all that new, like you know, like 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 if Lindholm ends up in like like Denver, and he's like, oh, it's state of the art Denver here. And we're like, well, it's been around for a while, man. But I guess compared to Calgary, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Hannafin and Buffalo, oh, the whole area, oh, the Key Bank, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, and especially, especially if any of them sign in Arizona. Oh my God, then we'll know. Then we'll know for sure. <laughs> if they're if they're just like if they're just like, oh my God, the sweet nectar of Mullet Arena. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Can't wait to feel the okay. the, the positive vibes from five thousand faithful. Then you'll know. Let me uh, let, let's pause on Arizona here for a second. Do you think because I don't? Do you think for a second that if the Coyotes leave and listen, every time Gary Bettman's asked about this, it's all about you know tick tick tick, and we need an answer soon. We need a solution soon. The clock is ticking. You know we're winding down here. If the Coyotes end up leaving, do you think for a second that the NHL won't go back to Arizona? No, I mean, listen, man, they're going to go back to Atlanta from what it sounds like, right? So, I mean, it's not as if you're one and done as a market. Um, I think what they need, though, and what they'll need is, is so it's two things. First of all, they'll, they'll need concrete plans on where to put a team that is going to be as close to the majority of the fan base as possible. And the, the Coyotes tried it and they failed. But... The other thing is they need to not be the Coyotes anymore. They need to wipe the slate clean. Like, it's, it's obvious that part of the reason the Tempe vote failed is because of the team's history in Glendale. And the opponents of the arena were able to say, hey, look, you know, look at what happened there. They weren't paying their bills. You know what I mean? And, like, when you can, when you can oppose pub, the, the amount of public funding wasn't astronomical, but it was necessary. When you can oppose public funding and the approval of, of, a, of a place being built, and one of the reasons why is the past history of the franchise in the market, well, then you need to just like hit the reset button and wipe that slate clean and do it, do it differently with an expansion team. So, yeah, absolutely, I think they'll go back if they leave. And absolutely, I think it's an, an, an imperative that it's not this – Coyotes franchise that now has over a dozen years of, of really toxic news and and, uh, and and black marks on their leisure following them around. Now, to, to your point about Bettman, mm-hmm. yes, I, I watched the video with him and Elliot, and like I, I, this is the second time now that the NHL has been pretty direct 
about the Coyotes. The yep. first was their their message they put out after the Tempe vote failed, which was not very sunny and did not talk about their you know future in the market or anything like that. And then basically, Bettman said the Board of Governors, uh, you know, they're like we're, we're waiting to hear something by. We should know something by mid season. Uh, buddy, that's a deadline. <laughs> like that is oh, a yeah. deadline. That totally. that is that is that is your plan A was Glendale that failed. Your plan B was Tempe that failed. What is your plan C? If we don't know plan C by midseason, uh, we're we're going to come up with our own plan D. Um, and and so I felt I felt that you know for all of listen, there was a lot of news made from Bettman yesterday with Elliot, but like. I thought that was one that really stuck out to me was this this idea that the Board of Governors and Gary Bettman, um, who, again, Gary Bettman, the, the biggest champion of keeping that team in Arizona that you'll find, um, have now said yeah. we, we, we best know some, some other plan by the midseason, um, and the parenthetical there was or else. Listen, it's, it, it's coming. I, I think we all understand that. And I think now more so than ever, like I was talking about this in the, in the first hour with Elliot, like right now we're seeing like, man, the, the Ottawa senators went for $950 million and we're seeing franchise valuations in the billions here, whether it's Tampa, whether it's Washington, whether it's while well, you see the Larry Tannenbaum situation or what MLS and E mm-hmm. um, is, is valued at, like we're seeing astronomical numbers here. Um, right now, it's never been a better time to be someone who's in business with the National Hockey League. And whether it's Ryan Smith with Salt Lake City, whether it's, you know, whomever in Atlanta, uh, Houston, etc. Like, there are people that are lining up, people that are lining up here to get franchises. And I think that Bettman is looking at this and the Board of Governors are looking at it and saying, hold on a second, we can always go back to Arizona. We can try that Mm -hmm. again. But is there not an element right now of striking while the iron is hot? You know, whether it's a, 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 a whether it's a expansion situation or whether it's a, a relocation with a hefty fee uh, attached to it as well. Like, is there not that element of like, okay, Arizona, we've humored you long enough. Uh, you're on the clock. Tick, 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 because we have this pot of gold waiting in Atlanta, Salt Lake City, Houston, wherever. Sure. Unfortunately, whoever buys the Coyotes uh, won't be negotiating with the Melnick family, which means they'll probably have to pay a billion rather than having somebody fumble the bag and uh, and bring the price down uh, over over the course of weeks. But that's neither here nor there. Um, the uh, the Coyote situation is very much tied into re- tied into expansion plans too. I mean, look, I, this, you talk to talk to some people around the league. Like, there's this sort of consensus right now that obviously does not mean it's going to happen, but it's the echo chamber, right? The, the echo chamber is telling you yeah. relocation to Salt Lake, expansion to Houston and Atlanta. I'm sure you probably heard the same theories. And whether that happens or not, we'll see. But that's kind of like what's in the ether. And, and I think that when it comes to the Coyotes and, and the ticking clock and, you know, the owner of the Jazz doing interviews with you and other media – kind of can see, you know, the little dots on the map leading from Arizona to Utah at this point, can't you? Uh, yes. Um, I wonder if they've asked them quite bluntly, uh, do you want a relocation or expansion? Here's a question for you. If you had a choice, what would you take? Depends on what my, my liquidity is. 
I mean, quite frankly, like expansion is going to cost. I mean, uh, relocation is going to cost less than expansion, especially if you are relocating to a market that doesn't have an NHL team. Now, what's interesting about Utah Mm. and about Salt Lake is, will the Golden Knights claim that as part of their fiefdom? That's the question there. Uh, you think it's you have to remember about a big one. You, you have to remember about you remember what Vegas did. Like Vegas, when they were when they were established, quickly tried to stretch a footprint that went from like Nevada to like Boise. <laughs> like, like they tried to really kind of like establish a, a market for that team. Yeah and stretch it all the way through the corridor of the United States that's not California, but also not the Midwest. And, and I, I'm telling you, man, I would not be surprised in the least if the Vegas Golden Knights mm. tried to claim Salt Lake City was part of their market. I wouldn't be surprised in the least. And in order to allow them in, they got to come in for a piece. Yeah. I would, would that shock you if Foley did that? Uh... I don't think it would. Honestly, I don't think it would go anywhere. I really don't. I don't. I. I, I uh, we'll see. We'll see. Regional regional teams are interesting like that. But we'll see. No, but um, I think I think I, to answer your question, it it matters to it would matter to me how much I'd have to spend and how much money I have because I do think that a relocation comes in under an expansion at this point. But then the other the other question is if I do have enough money and money's not an issue, I'm taking expansion every time because of the clean slate on my roster and the clean slate on my cap. You know, I just got an interesting note from someone who brings up... Oh, I love when this happens. Uh, league controls really the great. outer markets. Okay. Winnipeg used to belong to Calgary and Edmonton. Dun, 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 dun. On that, I got to go. I'm, ha- I'm heavy on time here. Um, did, they, well, Greg, did they have to pay a fee? Are you, did they have to pay a fee when they moved? I don't know that. Mm, interesting. Okay. Heavy on time. Hold on to that one. We'll pick, a, we'll uh, pick this up soon. Let's... Uh, <laughs> We'll uh, we'll regroup soon. Uh, I really got to hustle. I'm heavy on it here. Uh, Greg, as always, thank you, thank you. A million times thank you. Uh, Let's talk soon. You got it, bud. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN.